good to see you all once again. And I'm excited to dive in once again to this series here from the book of Acts. As Pastor Rod said, we like to kind of kick off the year every year with what we call our identity series, reminding us of who we are as a church together. So let's do a little bit of review for those of you who are gospel hopers. For those of you who are not, you can cheat by looking right here in the back. Our mission is to make disciples who are growing in the... Well, that's terrible, y'all. That's, that's awful. You, the, the 9 a.m. crowd, they're way, way sharper than you guys. Okay, so, so make disciples who are growing in the gospel. That's our relationship with God. As a, that's our relationship with one another while on mission. That is our relationship with the world. And so last week, we looked at this idea that we were to be moving forward in the gospel. And today, we're going to be looking at the concept that we are to be moving forward on mission. In a very real sense, uh, the book of Acts could be called like Jesus part two. So if the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Jesus part one, Acts is Jesus part two in the sense that it is the story of the mission of Christ moving forward, particularly by the power of the spirit. We see that very uniquely here in this passage in Acts chapter two today. If I could use an analogy, it's kind of like the church is a train, okay? Think of the church as a train. And, and the Holy Spirit is both the fuel, the coal, and the stoker. That's the guy who shovels. I had to look that up on Google. So that's the name of the guy. You could also call him a fireman, but that's confusing. So the stoker, the guy shoveling the fuel in the train. So the Spirit is the fuel and the stoker that enables the mission of the church to gain momentum and movement forward. To put it very plainly, just like a train without the fuel wouldn't go anywhere, without the Spirit, the church is impotent. Without the Spirit, the church cannot move forward. Or as Jesus said it very plainly over in John chapter 15, verse number five, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing, nothing. It's just a simple reminder that we desperately need the Spirit we need God's work in and through us so that the movement of the church would go forward. Here's the problem. In spite of the fact, if you've been around the church block for any period of time, you know a couple of things instinctively. One, you know like Jesus gave us the spirit. You know that, like he died and rose again. And he said, hey, I'm gonna send the spirit to you. And then you also know at some gut level that the spirit is important. Like you're like, oh yeah, father, son, and that other guy, the Holy Spirit, like he's important too. But the fact of the matter is, is so often we are like the disciples of John that we read in Acts chapter 19. We functionally behave like the spirit is not really that critical or we don't even know what he is supposed to do. And they said, John, Acts chapter 19, verse number two, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Have you ever behaved that way? As if the Holy Spirit is not a reality or really at work in your life. My prayer is that this would not be true of Gospel Hope Church in 2022. And I'm praying that even this morning that we would all be made freshly aware of our need for the Spirit's work in our lives personally and in the life of our church collectively. For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of our city, for the sake of our world, that we would be people that say we desperately need the Spirit. So before we dive into that, let's pause and pray and ask for God's help this morning. Father, we're so thankful that you paid it all. 
Lord, we thank you that you, through your son's death, purchased our salvation. And Lord, we also praise you that part of the rich gift of our salvation is the outpouring of your spirit in our lives. Lord, I pray you would give us a keen awareness of our need for you today. Would you cause the scripture to jump off the page today? May the spirit work in our hearts and cause us to see that he is a blessed gift from your hand. Lord, help us this morning. Hide me behind the cross. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your law. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you will direct your attention to the screen behind me, how many of you know the name of this guy right here? Anybody know? Oh, yeah. Vincini, that is right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uber nerd in the house here tonight. That's right. And Vincini is from the movie what? Princess by maybe the masterpiece of our generation, right? I mean, yeah, okay, all right, all right. I'm with you, Nicole. One of my favorite movies. But in the movie, The Princess Bride, Vincini has a one-word line that he says over and over again. And we're going to say it here together on the count of three. His line is one, two, three. Inconceivable. Nobody did it with a lisp. <laughs> Inconceivable. Like you have to spit a little bit on it. Yeah. Inconceivable. I bring this up because the word inconceivable is simply defined as this, not capable of being imagined or mentally grasped. And I think this perfectly describes what happens in Acts chapter two. The inconceivable work of God happens here. After Jesus died and rose again, and he prepared to return into heaven and take his place at the Father's right hand, he made this promise to his disciples who were standing there looking up at him. Acts chapter one, verse number eight. But you will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the ends of the earth. So we leave Acts chapter one, and Acts chapter two is the unfolding of that promise. Acts two begins on the day of Pentecost. This is 10 days after Jesus ascended. Pentecost was one of the Jewish holy days where the people of God came together to celebrate the harvest that God had provided for them. Presumably in preparation for that festival, the disciples were gathered together there when something utterly unprecedented happens. Acts chapter two, verse number two, suddenly. A sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the Spirit empowerment that Jesus had promised. But here's the reality. This was not just something that Jesus had talked about. Actually, the entire scripture predicted a day when the Spirit of God would be outpoured uniquely on all the people of God. For instance, we read in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number 14, and I will put my spirit within you. Or John the Baptist, the predecessor of Jesus, said it this way, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. And I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals, and he will baptize you with, what's it say? the Holy Spirit, and with fire. So what was the result of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit? We'll skip all the way down to the end of Acts chapter two. Look at what it says, Acts chapter two, verse number 43. 
everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. So let me summarize that idea. So the spirit is poured out and this happens among the people of God. If I could put it very plainly, I would say it this. The spirit provides extraordinary empowerment and unusual unity. That's the role of the Holy Spirit here. He provides extraordinary empowerment and unusual unity to his people. That's certainly the case in the story of the early church in Acts chapter two. Now, you may be reading this and say, yeah, Ryan, but that was, that was Pentecost. That was kind of like a one of a kind type event. And I agree with you 100%. This is an unusual event in the history of the church. Nevertheless, I would argue that if you read the whole scripture, I believe that it plainly states that the spirit is still in the business of empowering and unifying his people. You say, where do you get that? Well, Ephesians chapter three, verse 16, for instance. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory. Look at this. To be strengthened with power in your inner being through his, what's it say? Spirit. spirit. The spirit is empowering his people still today. Or skip down to Philippians chapter two, verse one. It says this, if then there is any encouragement of Christ, and there is, if any consolation of love, and there is, notice this, if any fellowship, fellowship, unity with the spirit, if any affection and mercy make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on the purpose. What is the job of the spirit in the church today? It is to empower his people and unify his people. Here's the implication. Look, the spirit's work is not just a past memory. It is a present reality. Isn't that good news? This is not just something we read about in the pages of scripture. This is something here and now today. The spirit of the living God is active among the people of God to bring power, to bring unity today. Today, what's the date? January 9th, 2022, the spirit of God is among us and active and working. In fact, we live in the era of redemptive history where the spirit's work actually takes center stage. And this is exceptionally good news for us today. You see, in our world that is full of division, amen? Is our world divided right now? Do we need unity like never before? Oh man, I am grateful that we have a spirit who gives unity to the people of God. In an era where people are crippled and paralyzed to take the next step. Anybody felt that over the last two years? Anybody got decision fatigue? Anybody know not where to go next? I mean, I felt that every single day. What a joy, what a blessing it is to know one of the functions of the Holy Spirit in the people of God's life is to give them power to take the next step. I praise God that he outpoured his spirit on us to help us move forward. Which leads me to my point this morning. We must rely on the spirit's work to empower and to unify us. We must rely on the spirit's work to empower and unify us. Or if I could put it very plainly, if we want to move forward, God's people must depend on God's spirit. God's people must depend on God's spirit. So you say, Ryan, what happens when God's people do that? 
What does it look like when God's people are dependent on God's spirit? Well, I think we see that here in Acts chapter 2. Uh, Though not everything in here, as I said, is repeatable, there are some principles that we can derive that the Spirit of God, when working in the people of God, achieve. So I want to look at this in the next few minutes together, the inconceivable work of the Spirit. And I just want to point out three things. The first one is this. When God's people depend on God's Spirit, multicultural unity is achieved. Multicultural unity is achieved. You see, when the day of Pentecost arrived, people from all over the world came to celebrate. In fact, it seems like Luke, the author of Acts, is giving highlight to that very idea. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse number 5. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people. Now notice this next phrase, from every nation under heaven. He's using this like broad, far-reaching term to try to emphasize the deal that, hey, everybody's there. Like everybody's here. They've all come to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. And then he is setting us up for what happens next. Look, when this sound occurred, that's the great rushing wind. When that occurred, a crowd came together and was confused. Why? Because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed and saying, look, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each one of us can hear them in our own native language? And then to make it very plain that this is not just a handful of different people, Luke goes to the pains of listing them out. Verse number nine, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Christians and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. In one sense, Pentecost was God's taking public of the gospel. It was no longer a private traded company. It had gone on the stock market now. You can get in no matter who you are, no matter where you're from. This is for everyone. No longer were God's people primarily contained in one location from one culture. Now people from many different backgrounds were becoming part of the family of God. And here's the principle. Unity is possible because the spirit is powerful. All these people are coming together. Why? Because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is not possible apart from the mighty work of the Spirit of God. Look, we can move forward together because the gospel is and always will be for everyone and anyone who would ever believe. This was evident even among those who proclaim that message this day. Remember, so day of Pentecost, it's the disciples standing up there and they're proclaiming the gospel and everybody's hearing it in their own language. Well, who are the disciples Disciples, that's a different kind of disciple. It's like an elite disciple. You get to be a disciple, right? Who are the disciples that are proclaiming this message? Well, think about it. When Jesus called the 12, you had among them rich and poor. You had among them politically conservative and the progressive. You had blue collar and you had white collar. You had those from a religious background and you had those from a non-religious background. And through the work of the Spirit, This diverse band of brothers are standing there proclaiming the same message, the same savior, the same gospel, so that anyone and everyone who would ever believe it would be brought into the family of God. This gives me great hope for the church today, for our church in particular. For as we long for God to preserve the unique unity that God has given this beautiful multi-expression of the gospel that we all love, We have hope. You know why? 
Because the Spirit is able to make diverse people family. As we prepare to launch Gospel Hope in Espanol, amen? By the way, Palm Sunday coming near you. As we prepare to launch that beautiful ministry and expression of the gospel, I have hope that our Spanish-speaking people and neighbors and friends in our community will come to know Jesus. Why? Because the gospel is translatable and Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, is able to save people in any language. I have hope as we continue to prayerfully consider deeper partnership with our friends across the hall at First Baptist Church. You look across the hall and you say, those people are different from us. Yes, they are. Yeah, but I am, I am hopeful. Why? Because the Spirit is able to bridge any and every gap that would separate us. The Spirit is able and powerful to make different generations love one another and have oneness and unity around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the gospel through the work of the Spirit is able to bring multicultural unity. While I realize that diversity is not always easy, come to one of our staff meetings, you'll find out. While diversity is not always easy, what I also know is this, listen very carefully, the diversity of the church demonstrates the diamond, <laughs> help me Rod, dynamism of the spirit. There we go, I wrote it down, I can't even say it. The diversity of the church demonstrates the dynamism I'm stuck, yeah. Power of the Spirit, right? It doesn't start with a D though. Yeah, look at it, yeah, you guys, yeah. That word, I looked it up, it's a real word. That was for you, brother, because I'm, I mean, I know, I know. Alliteration, it just, your boat, it floats. Yeah, right, okay. Even now, Even now thus saith the Lord, yeah, amen. Um, Rod, we'll stop talking, I'll talk to you now, yeah. Um, here's what I mean by that. When you see people come together that outside of Jesus they have little in common, it uniquely displays the power of the Holy Spirit. And God in his grace, in his kindness, has drawn together in this church people from all kinds of different walks of life. People with varying shades of melanin. And praise the Lord by his grace, we are family. And you know why? The spirit. The spirit has the power to do wondrous things. Man, my prayer is that God continues to do his wonderful, multicultural, unifying work in the days ahead. Don't you long for that? Man. Number two. Not only does the Spirit have the ability to bring multicultural unity, it also has the power to bring miraculous empowerment. <laughs> First of all, we see this very plainly in, in this miracle of everybody hearing people speak in their own language. I mean, that's a miracle. So here's all these different nationalities, all these different people gathered together. The apostles get up and the wonderful gifts of tongues, these languages are poured out and people are able to understand the gospel in their native language. But that is not the only miracle that occurs. There's another one that's maybe a little more subtle, but no less spectacular. After Peter preached the message of Christ, look what happened. Verse number 37. When they heard this, the crowd that was assembled they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? 
And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as our Lord, our God, will call. Skip down to verse 41. Look what happened. So those who accepted this message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. 3,000 people put their hope in Jesus after one message. I mean, this has got to be in contention for the greatest sermon of all time. I mean, he's just, he's got to get an honorable mention at least here. But here's the implication. This may sound like the ABCs of the Christian faith, but I don't want us to miss this. Look, the spirit is supernatural. The spirit of God is supernatural. That is, he can do things that we cannot do. He's not an apparition. He's not a force. He is the third person of the Trinity, wielding miraculous power on behalf of God's people for the sake of God's mission. He is able to do what is inconceivable. Amen. Titus chapter three, verse number five. He saved us, not by the works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the... Holy Spirit. But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by God, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through the sanctification by the but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the of our God. Look, y'all, Spirit saves. The Spirit can open the eyes of the blind. The Spirit can bring the dead to life. The Spirit can soften the hardest of hearts. He can cleanse the greatest of sinners. In light of this, it is not surprising that one of Jesus' last instructions to his disciples, remember, he ascends into heaven and he gives them this instructions, and here it is, the Ryan Standard Version, don't do anything. Hey, y'all, just sit down. We read that over in Luke chapter 24, verse number 49. I'm going to send you to what my father has promised. That's the Holy Spirit. But in the meantime, y'all, stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Basically, like, don't do nothing. So why did Jesus tell his disciples just to stay put? Because Jesus knew that through the sending of the Spirit, he was about to turbocharge the disciples and enable them to accomplish the massive mission that he had called them to. Stop and think about it. Have you ever pondered the Great Commission? Take the gospel where? All nations. I don't know about you, but I can't do that. I, I can even get like thousands of my best friends and be like, we can't do that. We need some sort of power, enablement, strength to do what is beyond our capacity to do. And that is why Jesus says, stay put until you receive power. And I will send the spirit to do in you and through you what you could never do on your own. And that's exactly what God did. He took this group of ragtag followers at the beginning of Acts and you get to Acts chapter 17 and through them and those that follow them, it simply says this, they turn the world upside down. Why? Because the spirit is miraculous. Don't you long for that type of power in your, at work in your life and in the life of others around you? The good news is this, the same spirit is alive and well today and he invites all of us 
to depend on him and his work to see the mission of God in the world accomplished. We have an invitation to be used by the power of the Holy Spirit to see the mission of the church go forward. Number three, not only through the power of the Spirit is multicultural unity forged. Not only through the power of the Holy Spirit is miraculous empowerment received, but also missional progress is seen. So after all these people come to know the Lord, what happens? Well, the simple answer is this. The church is born. Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In other words, the work of the Spirit led to the growth of the church. The Spirit works to build the church. And what did this new family of faith do? They healed the sick. They served the poor. They gave generously. They shared their faith. They showed radical hospitality. And Acts chapter 2, verse number 47, and every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The principle seems to be this. God sends those he saves. In other words, when God saves his people and outpours his spirit upon them, he has a job for them to do. He calls them to get involved in what he's doing in the world. In fact, Ephesians chapter four puts it like this. Listen very carefully. And he, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. These are gifts of the spirit. Why? To equip the saints. Now look at this little preposition, for. Say that with me, for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Look. When Christ, through the Spirit, graciously gives his people a gift, he does it for something. He doesn't just give it to make you comfortable. He gives you these things for a purpose. For instance, if I was to give Marcus a pen, it would be for what? Writing. Look, you're very smart people. Very smart. Let me move on over here. Let me go. Let me go right here. See how you do with this one. If I was to give Owen a microphone, this is dangerous, right? It would be for, he's going to sing. He's just going to sing. I can, I can feel it in your spirit. What's that? Talking. Okay. He's a little more boring, but okay, right? It, if I was to pull out my car keys and give you a car, it would be for, hold up. What do y'all think? I'm Oprah? No. no. We're not going to do that. You get the point though, right? When you give a gift, you give it for something. It's to be used in some way. Not just to sit on a shelf, not just to gather dust. When God gives us a gift, it is for something. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me use another illustration here. Uh, suppose that like Jesus is the grand architect and he has a blueprint for his church. It's a massive structure with intricate designs and unbelievable creativity. But to accomplish this wonderful, majestic work, it will take a wide array of tasks and skills and tools. So Christ, in his wisdom, directs the spirit to distribute each and every tool needed for this massive job among his people. The spirit is just going around and handing out tools to be used for the building of the church. That means when a chisel is needed, it's present. It's in the life of the church. Somebody already has that tool. 
When, when a plane is needed, somebody has that. When a particular type of saw is needed, somebody has it. Even when obscure tools like a rivet gun or something is needed, somebody in the church has that tool. Part of the effect of Christ pouring out his spirit and giving you gifts is equipping you for God's mission. There's a very familiar passage in Ephesians chapter 2. We read it like this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8 and 9. For you were saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And we praise the Lord for that passage. We are saved by what? Grace through? We are saved by? Through? And if you went to Sunday school or anything like that, you've probably heard that statement before. We're saved by grace through faith. And it is a precious, precious truth. But you know there's a verse 10 too. And it says this, for you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. There's that little preposition again, for good works, which God has prepared ahead of time for us to do. So if I could just amend that wonderful statement, I would say you are saved by, through, for good works. You've been saved for something. You've been empowered, equipped for something. God doesn't just want you to sit on the sidelines. He wants to invite you to get in the game. That is part of the reason why God has outpoured his spirit upon his people to empower us, to unify us so that we can be involved in his great work of building the church in the world. So if this is the case, how do we begin to experience this multicultural, miraculous, missional empowerment and unity of the spirit, which we all want, right? And if you're a child of God, you're saying, yes, I want that. I want to be empowered. I want to be unified. Lord, let me be a part of what you are doing in the world. So let me offer three very simple suggestions. And they are alliterated with S's for my brother Rod. Just mm. three things. First thing is this, seek. Did you notice that there was a connection between the Spirit's power and the Word of God in this passage? The Spirit was outpoured as Peter preached. The Spirit was outpoured as the disciples obeyed what Jesus had told them to do. There is an intimate connection between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. In this way, the Spirit seems to have a spotlight ministry. That is, He is always drawing attention and calling us to walk in continuity with what God's Word says and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He is always drawing our attention to the word of God, both the written word and the living of God, calling attention away from himself and to Jesus Christ and how he has called us to live. So if you want to see the Spirit's power in your life, if you want 2022 to be a season where you uniquely feel the Spirit's presence and experience his power through using you, here's my suggestion to you. Get in the book. Get in the book. Because God works by his spirit as we look and see him in the word of God. Let's be people that have our keel way down deep in the word of God. And then every sail opened up to catch any wind of the spirit of God. That we would be deeply rooted in God's truth and in God's word so that we could be seeing the power of the spirit at work in your life. Would you, I would encourage all of you, would you have a deeper commitment to the word of God this year than you've ever had before? Second thing, share. Oh, 
if the Spirit's work is plainly seen and experienced uniquely when he saves people from their sins, should we not be people who are regularly like the apostles, declaring the mighty works of God, sharing people the good news of Jesus Christ Would you intentionally seek to share the good news of Jesus with somebody? And I don't care if you're afraid or if you feel inept. It is when we in obedience step out and begin to be used by the Spirit that He meets us uniquely. If you want to freshly experience the Spirit working in and through you, find somebody who needs to know the Savior and begin to talk to them about that. Not only will you see the Spirit at work in them, you will see the Spirit at work in you. So not only seek, seek, through the word, but also share the good news of Jesus. And finally, serve. When the spirit is at work in us, he empowers us to serve others. And so my question is simply this for all of this. Are your sleeves rolled up? Are your hands a little bit dirty? You got your back to the plow? Are you engaged in the work of God? Are you serving others consistently? Are you finding ways to use the empowerment of your spirit to be a blessing to your church, to your neighbors, to your community. Don't, when God gives you a gift, he gives it to you for something. The Christian life is not a spectator sport. You can't sit on the sidelines and say, I'm really following Jesus. God has given you gifts if you're his people so that you can get in the game and begin engaging other people through the power of the spirit to help them take spiritual steps in their lives. On the last night that Jesus was with his disciples, He made a statement that has always struck me as extremely astounding. John chapter 16, verse number seven. Here's what he says. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Now hold the phone. If you're Peter or James or John, and Jesus says to you, hey guys, it's good for you that I leave. You're probably looking at each other and said, now Jesus done and gone and lost his mind. How could it be better than Jesus, for Jesus to leave and leave us all by ourselves? I mean, that, that makes no sense, Christ. This would have been one of those seasons where Peter would have said, Lord, let me take you aside right now. What is going on here? Well, fortunately for us, we're not left to speculate what that means because Jesus tells us exactly why it's better. John 16, verse number seven, because if I don't go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send him to you. That is an astounding theological truth. So essentially, here's what Jesus is saying. This is in the words of one pastor. He put it so well, I can't improve upon it. The spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. That's what the Lord himself is saying right here. It is better for all of us to have the Holy Spirit inside of us than Jesus to be on the church staff here at Gospel Hope. It is better for us because then the Spirit is diversified among all the people of God. The works of God are multiplied. The empowerment of the Spirit is spread out. And Jesus died and rose again, friends, yes, to take us to heaven one day. Praise God for that. That's wonderfully true. Yes, to wash away our sins. And we praise God for that. And that is a beautiful truth. But Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven in one sense to give you his spirit. We should embrace that gift with all of our hearts. If that is what Jesus' death accomplished, we should reach and say, Lord, I want to seek you. I want to share the message of Jesus. 
And I certainly want to serve to use the gifts that you've given me. Those are blood-bought gifts that I want to use for the sake of your mission and your kingdom in the world. I'm going to pray as we close here. I want to invite you to do this. Would you just have a conversation about God, about those three things? Seek, share, serve. Really ask God, Lord, am I depending on your spirit in these three ways in my life? I'm going to ask the prayer team if they would stand by right now. And if you would like to pray with somebody about that, there are folks that are on the side. They would be happy to just spend a minute praying with you. You can pray right there in your seat. You can pray with somebody around you, or you can join the prayer team here in prayer. I'm going to pray, and then you just move as the Lord leads. If you'd like to pray with somebody, we are happy to minister to you in that way. Father, we thank you so much for the work of Jesus, that he died and he rose again. And Lord, thank you for the grace of pouring out your spirit on your people. Thank you right now that all that trust in you are indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I pray if there are some in this room who have never tasted that gift, I pray even now, even now, they would be drawn to the feet of Jesus, that they would see him freshly, that your spirit would be convicting and drawing even now in this moment. And Lord, I pray for all of us that all of us in fresh ways would say, Lord, I want to depend on your Holy Spirit in my life. I want to seek you in the word. I want to share you with others. Lord, I want to serve in your church. Lord, help me to be dependent on the Spirit so that we can move forward together as a family. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Feel free to move and let's worship the Lord together.